Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hey everybody, uh, Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Drew Stevens. Uh, Dr. Drew is a PhD in leadership and management, and really what he specializes in is helping uh, distressed organizations, like we have many practices uh, that are, we've all gone through that, that are struggling, and he helps them transform their practice uh, to profitable in under 120 days. So welcome to the podcast here. Dr. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Chad. Awesome. So uh, can you give us, uh, just catch up to, up to speed, do an intro, a little bit, expand on that. How'd you get into involved with working with practices? I know you've been doing it for quite a while, um, but how'd you come to take an interest in, in helping other practices? Yeah, I guess, you know, the, the two quick things and probably the best is that I was a patient of chiropractic for years. Um, I had been in high school and collegiate track athlete, played a little bit of football. And like everybody else, you get up in the morning, back hurts, leg hurts, and you wind up going to a chiropractor. And actually, after my collegiate days, I wound up getting involved in bodybuilding. And one of the guys I was working out with happened to have been a chiropractor and said, would you be interested in coming in? And I did. Well, after I spoke with Vinny, um, probably four or five chiropractors in because I kept hearing the same thing. You know, Drew, you have this acumen for business. I I get it. You're a business guy. I'm looking to grow my practice. And so like any of us, Chad, we go ahead, we give free advice. And then I woke up one day and I said, you know, it'd be nice to kind of get paid for this thing. And that's exactly what happened. I uh, moved uh, subsequently from the East Coast to St. Louis, Missouri, which is where I now reside, was working with a chiropractor. And uh, Pat said to me, hey, Drew, you really need to sell this stuff, dude. You're, you're aces because you actually brought another $80,000 a year to my business. You got to tell the world. Well, if you know anything about St. Louis, one of the 13 chiropractic colleges in the United States happens to be here in St. Louis, Logan University. And one thing led to another. I started to give practice management seminars. I was talking to their tri eight group. I got friendly with the individuals that are involved in professional development. And then somebody turned in one of the classes and said, do you have a book? Because I want to buy it. And it actually wound up leading to me writing. I've written 14 books before, but this was the largest. Um, It's a 480 page a lack of better words, dictionary, encyclopedia, or go-to med. And that is meant for people that are really starting in the chiropractic field and wanting to really increase their business and make a nice substantial income out of it. I then extrapolate it because I've spoken with other groups like MGMA who have said to me, listen, you've done this for chiropractic. Can you do it for PT? Could you do it for traveling nurses? Could you do it for physicians? that work in hospitals or have their own clinics. And, you know, over the years, I've gotten a little bit older, so I'm now seeing a cardiologist, and he was asking me for that book for his practice. So I've kind of took the book and the premise of the book and now created it for the entire healthcare community. So there's healthcare practice management and the other one specifically for chiropractors. Awesome. And uh, are these 
available on your website or on Amazon? What's the best way for us? To- yeah, great question. They're available on the website, but the best is probably Amazon. You'll get a really good rate on those. Uh, one is known as Practice Acceleration. I'm thinking about changing the name just because it's a little businessy, but basically at the end of the day, it is the go-to manual and the number one book in how to create a functional, effective, and efficient chiropractic practice. The other is um, also on Amazon, and that is called the health the the healthcare book of practice management or the big book of healthcare practice management um, for healthcare professionals. Hmm. I have to remember the name of the book. <laughs> I, I'm on your site now, and you have uh, all 14 here, so we'll link out for as many of the books as we can. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. So you have a, a huge breadth of wisdom here. The other thing that I wanted to point out, which I think you did a nice job of alluding to, is most of us, you know, whether we're a podiatrist, we're an orthodontist or whatever it is, we're listening to this right now. And it's easy to dismiss and say, okay, my business, my industry is different. However, you probably have worked in, I mean, at least two dozen industries that I can see here. Um, is that one of the biggest barriers that you run into? My business is different. <laughs> and how do you help uh, <clears throat> assuage that concern as uh, as people bring it up? It is a great question, and I get it all the time. The very first thing that I get from people is, you're not a doctor, you don't know. Aha, I am a doctor. I might not be an MD, but I got the PhD after my name. But outside of the whimsy, I do get that all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, going to say something that's a little bit of crass to it, but you'll understand where I am. And people will say to me, you know, I'm the podiatrist. You know, you don't know my practice. I'm a PT. You don't know anything about how I conduct therapy. And what I say to them is simply this. Tell you what, you're right. I don't understand all of the mechanizations of the body. The fact is, is that I'm a former athlete. I understand kinesiology. I understand biochemistry. I look at some of the things that go into my system, whether it's supplementation, proteins, carbs, I can have that conversation with y'all all day long. But when it comes to being prescriptive, I'm not. What I say to people is, look, you don't teach me how to be a physician, and I won't teach you how to be a consultant. I understand that there's three things that are going on in your practice right now, and it really revolves around three things. Number one is the people. Are you serving the right target market? Because as a good example, whether it's PT as an example, a dentist as another example, or a chiropractor, they all seem to set up in these strip malls and think that, you know, just because somebody's going to um, Kohl's or somebody's going to their local supermarket, oh, wow, there's a dentist down the street, my tooth bothering me, I'm going to walk into the store. It doesn't work that way. So people's a big thing. And speaking of people, it also coincides with the individuals that you're bringing into your firm. You have got to have really good internal employees that understand your strategy, understand your mission, so they're working with you, not against you. Secondly, you have got to have efficient processes. You've got to make it easy to do business with you. And I'm, I'm cutting through the morass of your treatment, your prescriptions, I'm talking about customer touch points, patient touch points. What happens when somebody calls, hits a website, or opens the front door? And then last year, not least, are then just simply what I'm going to use, products and services, which then coincide with marketing and sales. How do people understand who you are, what your brand value is, and what an 
what is essentially you're bringing to the table. In other words, if you're Dr. Chad, why should I use you? How are you articulating the value that says, you know what? He's the man. He's the guy. And that, that those are the th three sole things. And so when people hear that, right away they disarm Chad and they say, you know what? You're, you're making a point. Let's talk. That's great. So the I'm trying to put this together. Um, mm -hmm. when you, with an organization, a practice that is struggling, typically it's one of those three things. Let's say 99% of the time it's people. So I don't have the, I haven't selected the right target market. Um, I'm targeting at young athletes when I really should be targeting the athlete's mom. Right. Uh, that sort of deal. Uh, or, or the right people on the bus, the right team. Correct. Organization. The second thing is efficient processes. So I don't have any, most of us as clinicians, we have no idea how to create systems. We can create treatment checklists and things like that for diagnoses and assessment and treatment plans, but we we're pretty poor at creating processes. Right. And then third is the uh, products and services or marketing and sales, how we're positioning ourselves within the marketplace. For right. Right. Awesome. And I just want to add one more thing. Are you priced correctly? <clears throat> and to that, now, I'll make a very quick succinct point on this. You're all controlled by insurance. You're all controlled by governmental issues when it comes to price. But <clears throat> there happens to be a number of doctors that are out there uh, charging for concierge services, charging hundreds and thousands, and you guys are leaving money on the table. So you want to be able to price to a certain extent that the value equates to the price. It's as if you all, and I'll name a restaurant, Ruth Chris. If you want to go for a nice steak dinner, you're going to Ruth Chris. It's a la carte, and it's going to be probably, reasonably speaking, $55 to $80 for that steak, even if it's fish. Why? Because the value is there for Ruth Chris. So how would somebody like Chad then charge for his therapy services because if you create a brand that's like Ruth Chris, then the, the price should equate to the value that you're providing across the board. That's the way that it should work. Yeah. That, so uh, we, we can dive deeper there. A lot of practices that we work with, and even as I'm problem solving here, you know, the, the big pain point recently that a lot of us are up in arms with. So since 2017, Medicare, federal payers, yeah. the fee schedule roughly 10 to 12 percent while operating costs have significantly gone up correct so some practices are doing and we've talked about this on the podcast and have had guests on as they go out of network with their lowest payers and mm -hmm. have to pay their uh change their payer mix the other one is other services and products that we can we can provide the customers already coming through the door so many people uh chiropractic care, physical therapy, podiatry, especially they're adding in cash pay services. So right. we're working with the Medicare patient, but we're also giving them laser or dry needling or some other uh, cash pay services, right? Supplements income and increases that top line revenue. Is that what you're speaking to? A absolutely. Uh, you know, I, and I know to that point, I know a number, number of chiropractors and I'll just want to add one more as I'm thinking about this. A number of chiropractors are thinking, you know what? No insurance. I'm just going to do cash. 
The problem is in the healthcare field, doesn't matter if it's dentistry, podiatry, um, endodontry, the list goes on, ladies and gentlemen. There is a stereotype. It's up to you all to try to do what you can to break that stereotype. If somebody feels that the value is there, then they'll pay cash because quite honestly, there really is no difference if they're paying, say, just go with me for a moment, $40, $45 in a copay and $50 in cash or $60 in cash. There, the fact is there is not the morass of going through the bureaucracy. You don't have to wait for one of the large carriers to carry, or excuse me, to negate or approve your policy. And at some point, I'm certain when it comes to things like you're saying, certain laser therapies or Reiki or, um, you know, the, the needle analysis, whatever the case may be, maybe you charge a different rate or a slightly discounted rate than what you would with insurance, simply because no matter what, the, the patient is going to need to pay for it. But the other thing I wanted to add to that, and Chad, your practice may be a little bit different here, but I know a number of doctors where to, to the point where I almost want to cry when I hear these stories, because one of the first things that I do, I look at the three things, the three P's, people, products, and, and processes. But I then ask for very intriguing questions of what's your account payable and what's your account receivable. I had one doctor in Illinois, I don't want to say where, he had a three and a half million dollar account receivable that was 145 days old. And I said, Sean, that's your money. He said, Drew, but you know, I, I, ha I don't have the time and it's very busy and I don't have an assistant, but that's three million of your money. And Chad, that wasn't money going to Medicare, Medicaid. No, that was his money. And you, what I always say to folks is three, three things on this. You got to get the money within 30 days or less. Once it goes to 31, you're probably looking at anywhere between a 90 to 85% discount. Once it goes to 90 days, you're looking at about a 60% discount because, oh, I don't have it, lost a job, blah, blah, blah. Once you're at 120 days, you're at 50% or less, and then you're needing a credit agency to go after the money. And think about this, which is easiest for you, 100% of something or 50% of, uh, of somebody else's money. You're, you're using somebody else to go after money that was yours because there were a myriad of excuses that you didn't have a chance to go get your account payable, account receivable, excuse me. Yeah, the, the a AR is brutal for um, essentially across the board with healthcare service providers that are participating. That's very much appreciated. Yeah, re revenue cycle is a, a big problem. I know... Um, Beforehand, we were talking about this term revenue. Uh, I think it's oper operationalization. Mm -hmm. That's a tongue twister. Um, can you talk about what that is and how you help practices take a look at that? Absolutely. <clears throat> so, And it's real easy outside of the what sounds like a very difficult term, and I'll say it again, uh, Chad, it's revenue operationalization. It's basically how you're operating the revenue so that you're operating with efficiency. So the first really starts with your pricing scheme. You have, you should have an objective of how you're pricing services. Is it ba And there are six ways to do that. It, and I don't want to go into every single one of them, but the top three are really, is it for survival, survival, excuse me, profit or return on investment. 
you know, at some particular point, you're going to start a practice or you're expanding your practice. You're either doing that because others in the family may have given you money. You may have gone to the bank, but it, on the other hand, you're doing it for profit. But the way that you do that, you have to think in terms of marketing qualified leads and or customer acquisition cost. All of these are nothing more than sales and marketing terms. But the fact is, is, and I'll break it down for you very simply. What marketing is being conducted, and I want to say that again, what marketing is being conducted so that through your touch points, your touch points could be a website, it could be your answering service, it could be a bulletin board on a highway, it might be a referral that you get from somebody. But what you want to begin to look at is what is the cost per customer to acquire, and I'm using customer rather than patient because I want everybody to understand it because you're all in different fields, but it works the same way. It costs you money to get a patient. So then what are you doing on the marketing side to keep those costs low so that when you acquire a patient, <clears throat> there's a lot of efficiency, there's very little cost attributed to it, and the return that you're getting by the multitude of treatments pays for all of that marketing and puts money in your in your pocket. That's basically what you're looking for at the end of the day. Got it. Uh, yeah, cost to acquire. So that's like a almost like a CAC to LTV type ratio. Cost to acquire the, the client or the customer and then looking at the long-term value of the revenue generated. Right. And to add to that point, part of the revenueization, I'm sorry, Chad, is then having great patient service. So does your front staff treat people well? Do you have a follow-up system? Do you send out birthday cards, anniversary cards, and probably more important than anything else, and many <clears throat> doctors failed to do this. In fact, I was away last week in Des Moines and we were discussing this at a retreat that I was running, and that is simply this. When is the patient at the most excited stage? And the, if you think about this, when this, when you start meeting with the patient after that first or second meeting, they're starting to feel better. They're able to do things. So I, I had mentioned to Chad <clears throat> before we met today, unfortunately, I had a lateral bicep tear. I fell down, things happened, and I had a lateral bicep tear at the beginning of the summer. In my boating season, I was able to fish. I couldn't use the boat. Long story, but for another time. However, here's the deal. Met my PT, Laura, for the very first time in July. I was resistant because I've been a bodybuilder for well over 35, 40 years. And I thought, ah, what are they going to teach me? They're going to teach me a bicep curl. They're going to do this. Things are going to be on bands. But Laura was a listener. Laura was empathetic because she knew that I was a bodybuilder and was willing to work with me because I had that competitive streak. So she needed to put it in her words, but allow me to feel like a winner. And then she gave me exercises, provided her prescription in a way where I didn't feel it was too rudimentary. After the second meeting, she said, how do you feel? And I said, you know, you need to talk to two or three other guys because here's what they're going through right now. I gave her a referral. The reason why I'm saying that is for physicians, for doctors, for healthcare providers, the moment of that crescendo is when the patient starts to feel immediately out of pain. 
immediately better, that the remedy is there. Too many doctors wait until the very end. The treatment's over. Well, you know, I won't have to see you again. Thank you very much. Adio, bye. The orthopedist did that. I wanted to tell, I want to tell everybody and their mom, they need to go to this orthopedist. But he shook my hand. I walked out the door and I won't see him again unless I get hurt. And that's what he said. You've got to hit your referrals at the crescendo. And that's part of that revenue operationalization because I got to tell you something. If I do well with Chad or Chad does well with me, Chad or I are going to tell 40 of my people on social media, and that is your cost of acquisition lowered simply because they build a fan base, a tribe, and you don't have to do any marketing. So think in terms of Apple. If you have an Apple product, you don't buy Apple because of an ad. You buy it because Chad told you, dude, this iPhone, the camera, the sound, you got to buy it. And guess what you do? You buy it because of Chad's advice. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. We, so we that's almost exactly how we've taught how to ask for a referral um, for 10 years or so. It's awesome. Wait, wait for a patient when, if you're coming through as a patient, Dr. Drew, hey, so glad you know you were able to sleep through the night or you were able to get back to playing racquetball or whatever it is. High five, celebrate, recognize, and acknowledge who else do you know? Who do you know who can't sleep through the night, needs the same help that you need, and wants to get back to normal? And then we wait for them to mention somebody and then um, then help them get the help that they need. So love that you said that. Way too many practices waiting till the last day to ask for a Google review, a testimonial, their referral. Um, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Hi, listeners. I think I might have something that you're interested in. If you are a listener of this podcast, I'm assuming that you're an owner or an aspiring practice owner. And my question for you is, what's the most pressing thing that you're wondering about in growing your practice? So essentially, if you could ask me any question, what would that be? You know, is it something around personnel? Like, you know, how do I handle when team members ask for a raise? Is it something around marketing? Like, should I be advertising on TikTok or how often should I be emailing my past patients? Is it something in finance or practice growth? Well, if you have a question, wouldn't it be great to get an immediate answer from me to your question? And I think I have something that you might be interested in. If that does fit the case for you, I uh, might be able to help you out. I'm hosting a live Q&A session for private practice owners, and you'll be able to hop on the call and uh, unmute yourself have your camera on if you prefer and ask me any question that you might have related to practice growth. Absolutely nothing is out of bounds. And uh, the the deal is you just need to register for the call. I think we have a limitation on how many people can get in. Um, we are, this is something new that we're launching uh, specifically to the Grow Your Practice podcast, but you do need to register. So there's likely a link um, here or in the uh, getbreakthrough.com page. So you can go there or look in the show notes here for the link, but you do need to register for the next live Q&A session. So what's your most pressing question? You make, make sure that you write that down. What's stopping you from growing your practice and the way that you want to grow it? And then join me in the next live Q&A session and we'll make sure that you get your questions answered. The other thing that I wanted to uh, ask you about is I know you do a lot with strategic planning. Um, the And just in summary, and I've 
going through this myself. So I'm, uh, we'll call it mid late forties. Um, I've been a practice owner for 20 years, uh, a, a hardcore manual therapist for 12 plus, um, well, 15 plus, if I include my working career before private practice. And I noticed my body starting to wear down that I wouldn't be able to do this forever. And um, wanted to think through, you know, internal sale, external sale. We've shared a lot about this. How do you help an owner think through exactly where their practice is today, the day that they're no longer going to be able to provide care, realizing value for their practice? Because I think that is a potential pitfall for many of us as we anticipate that our practice might be a lot more valuable in the marketplace than what it really is. How do you help them assess where they're at today and then navigate that? And then if you can talk us through some pitfalls, I'll ask you about that as well. It's a great question. Um, and it's a lot of more of what I'm involved in today, which is basically succession and exit plan. Um, the first thing that I say, and it's interesting because with you being so involved in PT and with my focus originally in chiropractic, it makes this conversation very easy. Cardiology, oncology, so the, the list goes on. It's a little different because it's a little, uh, there are differences in the way that healthcare providers treat, even a nurse practitioner for that matter. Chiropractic is very manual. You're using your hands, you're using your arms, knees, back. Same thing with PT. It's, it's manual adjustment, manual, manual labor. And after a while, your wrists hurt, you, your knees hurt, your ankles hurt. I don't have to tell you, it's you, Jad. You know, it was great when you were 20, you got into it, you're ready to go. Every morning you pop out of bed. And one day you're 37, you pop out of bed and you hear snap, crackle, and pop like Rice Krispies. And you're thinking, when the heck did this happen? <clears throat> but outside of the physical labor, there's something else too. You get to a point where you say, you know, I want to expand the business. And so if I'm going to expand the practice, how do I do that? Because it's just me. Do I bring in an associate? Do I bring in a partner? And then you start looking at age and say, well, I'm 42, I'm 43. How long do I want to do this? You know, am I using this for retirement? And probably more importantly, did I even set aside a retirement package? And so what I start to look at probably around 37, 38 years of age, and it's a difficult conversation because too young to truly make the decision, but on the other hand, early enough to basically say, we need to look on the horizon 20, 30 years and think about how you're going to do this. So I actually start laying out an estate planning slash retirement plan. And where the conversations then coincide are, do you have siblings? Do you have children? Are you thinking about staying married, you know, all of those things. Now, you know, and I have to bring those up and they are very sensitive conversations, but they're important conversations because we need to put a team together. We need to put attorneys together. We need to put financial advisors together. We need to put um, CPAs together because if you don't have family, then we need to look at outside influences. And if it's outside influences, look, I don't have to tell you, uh, we didn't have that intimate of a conversation, but if you develop your practice, you need to bring in who can emulate chat. And if it's not your family, that's hard to do from the outside. 
And we've got to find the right person to take your culture, your mannerisms, and emulate that for the end, end, next end year, excuse me, and then decide, okay, what is the point that we pull the pin that that person then starts to take more of a active role and you then start to pull back a little bit so you can sit on the beach and collect the check and they're taking over the practice. Got it. Um, in that transition, what are some of the biggest challenges that you help uh, practice owners overcome and or what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you see? <laughs> I can answer it with one three-letter word, ego. And I say that because just like I started my business, wait a minute, you're pushing me out. I I started this. This is my baby. I, I don't want to leave. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna die slumped over the treatment table. It, you know, for some people, it that's fine if that's what you want to do. But on the other hand, if you're not going to sell it, you're not going to bring in somebody to succeed it. We still need to make a retirement plan for you because you still need to put money away for a retirement. Because no matter what, when you're 60, 70, and 80, even if you still want to treat, you can't treat 70, 80, 90 people in a day, in a week. You're going to want to pull back on that. You are, you may want to have your Fridays and Mondays off. Nothing wrong with that, but you still need to put money away for what we know as, you know, um, definite expenses that you're going to have, utilities, rent, mortgage, and so on. But no matter what, whether it's age or experience, you're going to have um, unknown expenses. The roof is going to go down. If you have your own practice, it's going to be water heater issues and plumbing issues and HVAC issues. You're going to have people that leave you constantly. Um, so we need to be prepared for those dire emergencies, and it's best to put money aside to take care of that so you're not constantly wiping your brow and oh god thank god i escaped that one you don't want that to happen fair enough um very good advice there i appreciate that what is the best way for our listeners to uh find you dr drew um i am all over social media i've got a podcast myself and i've got a website so the the website's real easy uh which is drew hyphen stevens.com and stevens is with a v um again it's drew drew hyphen stevens.com i am on facebook i have a facebook page that's facebook.com forward slash drew stevens linkedin and also on instagram which is drew stevens 0219 0219 awesome uh we will include those links in the show notes any other uh parting words of wisdom for our practice owners that are at a in the middle of a fight, seemingly financial right now. You know, here's the, it's a great question. You know, there's two ways to look at this. And I don't want to sound trite when I, when I do these interviews, you know, if you think it's um, not broken, then don't fix it. It's probably broken, you you know, and at the end of the day, do not have too much ego. Do not have too much pride in raising the white flag and saying, I need help. Help is actually a positive thing. It's not a negative. I think we've all been reared on failure is is not an option. No, it's an option because failure is education. And so one of the first things I say when I'm meeting with a client is simply, if you feel that you're needing to make money, it's not that you failed. You've not been taught. You've not been mentored. And I always say that God has given me a gift to mentor, coach, and counsel. Let Let me help you. 
you know, help me to help you, as they said in Jerry Maguire. So, you know, from that particular perspective, what I encourage people to do is, if you're not sure, give me a call. There is no cost whatsoever in having a 15 to 20 minute contact with me, whether it's phone or email, letting me know what's going on. And I won't prescribe anything, but based upon what you're telling me, if you're telling me all of the information, I might let you know that this may be some of the fallacies that you have. And here are some ways to work together. And from there, we could choose to work together or not. Awesome. Great parting advice. Uh, I appreciate that very much. And uh, thank you for your time here, Dr. Drew. My pleasure. Great being here today. And I wish you all Godspeed. Remember to visit GetBreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.